This is the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Rule number one is you have to believe in yourself. You're the only one who doesn't think you belong in this appointment. The prospect has already validated your existence by scheduling time with you. Get it through your head you belong here. Go in there, crush it, and close the deal. A place where sales professionals can come to learn from other sales professionals and thought leaders that have mastered their craft. The difference between a good salesperson and a best-in-class salesperson is only two minutes. By spending an extra two minutes on what you might think is a mundane task in the sales game, you separate yourselves from the pack, you grow your book of business, you close more deals, and you retain your accounts. As well as their peers who are still striving for perfection to achieve their why. I have a wife and four kids. Failure is not an option. Real sales professionals. Real stories. Real results. It's no different than being a professional baseball player. You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game. This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game today. We are bringing you nothing but hot energy. What in the world is on your head? The berry. The turnberry. Uh, got it. Okay. Well, you know, the camouflage is actually doing its job in camouflaging the letters, so you can't read what the hat says. Yeah, it's the sun. Woo. Eh, well, anyhow, you're, you're not the high-energy guest, which is painfully obvious at this point, but <laughs> Whatever, we have dude. got Mr. Dylan Reed from Wonderwrite with us. What's up, guys? What's up, Dylan? What's up, Good to be here. We are uh, we're at full Key West swing, man. I've got a massive shipping operation going on out of the Valrico office here. Got a ton of uh, gear going out. I'll I'll say, and uh, mm. a lot of happy, lot, a lot of people are going to get packages probably Monday of next week, and be pleasantly surprised to know there's only two and a half weeks left until they visit Paradise. Yeah, man, we're we're super excited. I'm excited to go full Jack Sparrow on the treasure chest when it comes in, man. <laughs> there you go. I need you to, man. <laughs> I'm ready to see a treasure map. I Big verdict for Jack Sparrow yesterday. Dude, you'll always remember this is the time that you almost captured Captain Jack Sparrow. I mean, how many memes are out there at this point? He's still getting away, even today. You know what sucks right now, Kyle, more than anything? <laughs> What's that? Because I've got the a few things. That, the fact that I'm sipping my lunch out of a Simon Severino coffee mug. My lunch was bone broth because apparently we're going on a five-day bone broth cleanse to get ready for Q West. Oh, good. Yeah, that should I'm help. Halfway th- I'm halfway through day number one. I feel <laughs> awesome. That's um, Bone broth is an interesting thing. It's, uh, first it's not all, just, just bone broth. It's not just oh? that. Oh, okay. No, you have, you have to have your three lemon drinks spaced out across the, the day to make sure that it gives you your energy. You guys are a bunch of hippies, and, man. And then... I just had you know, you I know, just had I just had about twenty three Chick Fil A nuggets in a seven minute span because I was rushing to get back to get on the pod. So we got to the point with Chick Fil A. You can take your bone broth and your lemon squeezes and yeah, well, it's fine. I will tell you this: we got to the point with Chick Fil A where we just start ordering the party platter because it doesn't make sense I to order a, individual meals. I ordered a, I ordered a thirty rack for. Um, you know, for us and, and some fries and call it a day. You and Nash just 
freaking hammering Chick-fil-A? <laughs> no, he's actually passed out right now. Thank God. That sounds about right. Well, anyhow, we do have a high-powered guest, high-energy this guy follows up with people before they even take a demo. I mean, I don't, I don't know what to say about Dylan. <laughs> you know, he is, he is the guy at Wonderwrite. Him and his uh, partners in crime, Mr. Danny Lawrence and uh, Greg McCammon and Peter McDonald, are all good dudes. They have a great product. We've had Peter on before to talk about it, but mm-hmm. it's been a little bit. It's been a little bit, and as we're heading into Key West, I wanted to bring Dylan on, man, because Dylan. Uh, has a different view of Wonderwrite maybe than, I don't know, I, I guess Peter was an agent too, right? So that led him to realize what the need was. But why don't you, uh, Dylan, as Scott Howe would say, jump in the DeLorean, man. Why don't you just t- take us into the time machine for a second, give us the overview on who Dylan Reed is, and then we'll start talking in SureTech like fiends. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm excited to be here. Um, yeah, I mean, my background in sales has been – Dude, I think since I was 16, I knew I wanted to go into sales. I mean, in college, I studied economics, of course, but I wanted a, a worldlier perspective of life. But um, yeah, I mean, I did a top 10 sales internship in the nation when I was 19, uh, sold everything from remodeling products for Anderson, you know, door to door, collecting $40,000 checks, one call close on the spot, you know, eventually found my dream job. I was working in the surf industry, worked for O'Neill. Help Pioneer Stance, which is a sock and underwear brand. Everybody knows they've got big partnerships all across the U.S. Broke large accounts there. One rep of the year for the entire nation. Um, and, and somehow found my way into insurance, like most people say. I, I, I think a little bit of prior to me joining, I was recruited to join You know, a large direct writer. Uh, had sales experience, went in, found a ton of success. And then um, I, I'd say what my success there was had a personal experience with insurance or, or my father passed away. wasn't enough life insurance. It, it hit mm. hard at home for me. And I, I'd say that's what led into my success when I worked in insurance. Ultimately, in being there, I, I found that I think there's a lot of opportunity for the tools that retail agents use today. I was really excited to pioneer that. I think it's one of the last frontiers that doesn't have great tooling like compared to other industries, like a lot of people say. I agree. I don't think millennials have the proper tooling. I think there's like a lot of gaps that cause people to not want to get into insurance and that you can have a lot of people retiring here soon. So I see a huge opportunity and what's going to happen when all the baby boomers retire and all our generations coming up into the game. So found my way to messaging Peter and Joe on LinkedIn. It ended up how I got at Wonderite. Um, I messaged them on LinkedIn. I started following InsureTechs. I was seeing what they were doing. Peter posted about raising around. And like today, I'm still doing. I'm, I sent him a message on LinkedIn. Hey, I want to work for you. Uh, I, and I think he's pretty skeptical from the start. Usually, like software companies like to hire people from software backgrounds. And, and that's like your heart, your biggest factor if you want to get into software. Is they're going to say, what's your, what's your experience in software? Like, have you been an SDR? Have you been a BDR? Dude, that stuff doesn't matter. Like, it's when you come Do you from, follow like, Brian Burns on LinkedIn? I mean... I don't think so, but now I'm going to. With, yeah, Brian saying? Burns. Yeah, Brian Burns, Josh Braun. They're like they're like sales gurus to talk to the software industry. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. So Burns Josh Braun. Massive, he's a, a lot of them. Like uh, if you get an email from me at some point, it may be mirrored hmm. off of Josh he's, Braun. He's the guy who uh, walks around with LinkedIn, the selfie stick point. all the time. Uh, he just like, puts so much or, content out there. Yeah. Or or I think or, or Burns either walks around with the selfie stick or he's got like an animated background and makes it look like he's walking around his neighborhood all the time. 
Dude, I know who you're talking about now. He's good. Uh, you know what I like about him? His nuggets are quick. And like I can get Very something quick. Really, really fast. Yeah, they're, 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 both of those guys are really good LinkedIn follows, man. So here's my question. You were at Stance. Why did you ever leave? Like, was there like bad blood there? Or I mean, do I need to put out an official power producers boycott of Stance products because they, you know, they have <laughs> beef with Dylan or what's the deal? No, dude, that, that product's insane. That company's insane. Um, I, I wanted to make more money. I, I was working for an agency um, that capped what I made. It was a flat rate. I was 1099, 4% commission on what I sold. I, you know, I ran over a $3 million book for years on a large territory. And my boss used to say, you want to make more, you sell more, but you, you run out of, when you're in a territory, you run out of accounts to cultivate and grow. And, you know, you wouldn't kind of give up the, the reins where I was like, I was his right hand man. I was like running the shop basically like everything. Uh, so I, I found, I wanted to make more. So it's kind of what led me to change. Fair enough. Free market economy, man. I mean, that's what you do, right? So you land at Wonder Right. You start looking at InsureTax. What what had you intrigued about InsureTax? Yeah, because it is a different. It's a different sale, man. You know, honestly, it's 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 a much different, in my opinion, at least my perception. The way that most companies attack software sales is much different than how I attack middle market PNC. I um. I wouldn't say that I'm less intense. I would just say I'm patiently intense. If there's yeah. such a thing. No, I like that. Whereas with software, it's, it's, with, it's with, a longer, it's a longer sales cycle, isn't it? I mean, it is, but with the software people, it seems like, you know, you do the demo, then whack, whack, whack. They're on you like white on rice because there have to be statistics out there that say you have to get somebody to make a buying decision. Oh, within yeah. X number of hours of watching the demo or whatever. I get that. That's true. Sure. That's the deal. I just I'm interested because it's such to me it's perceived to be such a different sales process doing that than it is the property and casualty piece. So a we can talk about that, but I'm I'm interested. Like, what attracted you to InsureTech in particular? Yeah, what attracted me to InsureTech? I think um, it was being firsthand in it. it. I think it's the industry and a lot of like the venture capital guys will say this, it's it's ripe for taking over. Like it's ripe for new tooling. It's ripe for opportunity. Um, and I think that's because of the demographic that owns agencies today. Um, and they've been using a lot of the same tooling for a really long period of time. Um, so I, I just think it provided opportunity. When you, if for anybody listening, if you do want to break into software sales and maybe you're not in insurance, like if you do want to break in, you really need to, go in the industry that you've been in. So fortunately for me, I, I like insurance. Like my brain just works that way. Like I, I think insurance, you're going to laugh when I say this. Uh, I think insurance is the financial lubrication for the economy. It's one of the largest industries in the world. If you look around, everything's insured from your phone to your desk, to your car, to your life, to your potential income in the future with disability insurance. I mean, it's just, it's a fail safe, fail proof industry. You can make a lot of money in it. Um, and, and those were the things that excited me about going into insure tech in this industry. So having that kind of background. So why do you think there's such a gap? You mentioned a gap with like the younger people getting into the insurance industry. What do you attribute that to? The learning curve, probably a biggest thing. I mean, it's just, it's like eventually when you learn insurance, I, I look at everybody who is an insurance agent. It's like, you know, you got basically a PhD in, in managing risk. And, you know, you guys know how to insure anything anywhere. There's specialists in the industry. You know, you guys are, you know, you're the attorneys and the accountants and the doctors of your industry. 
Um, so I think there's a, you know, for that reason, it's harder for people to break in and you, to be good and to actually steal accounts from people. Like you got to be really good because a lot of people have been on these accounts for a long time. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. I think um... I would also add in there too, not to interrupt you, Dave, no, but I, I just think that I, I, I just feel like it's never talked about. And, and you know, yesterday when we were um, on the pod, it kind of got brought up, but like you go through high school in college and no one talks about insurance. Like it's not, I mean, you just know that it's something you need to have and you see like a commercial for state farm when you're watching the NBA finals or, you know, you see uh, the lizard like across your screen and, and you don't really know anything about it until you, until you either land there. Cause I mean, there's not a ton of people who wake up and like, you know what? I want to be an insurance agent. No, like, but I'll tell you what, Jake from State Farm must be knocking down some bank because he's rocking Balenciagas every time I see him on TV. Yeah. Can we talk about how furious the first Jake from State Farm probably is? I mean, they're just like, all right, you had like a super popular commercial, but we're just going to get rid of you and go with a different Jake. Yeah. Like the original one was like the opposite <laughs> and, of this and, Jake. And not only are we going to do that, we're going to put him in commercials with super famous athletes. <laughs> yeah, the like, first Jake from State Farm was the guy that was on the other end of the phone when the wife woke up in the middle of the, the night and came down the stairs. Yeah. Correct. What are you wearing? Classic. Like, Classic. Whatever. But anyhow, yeah, I think that's got something to do with it too, man. I mean, it's like we're not educated on anything insurance related coming up unless you have someone in your family that's close to you that, that can do that for you. No, I think yeah. the people that are the most successful right now are the people with the best marketing, period. I mean, there's a reason why you see their advertisements everywhere. They've created crazy brands. You know, people, flow is synonymous with progressive. You know? Have Jake we talked is, about this? I've, I've heard that flow is just like an ultra bitch, like oh. in real life. Like she, I, I heard a story that she, um, was like ordering from a uh, like a food truck, and her assistant was ordering it for oh, her while I'm she's sorry. just standing there, standing there next to next to um, the assistant. And the person taking the order was like, "I'm sorry, did you want you know whatever on that?" And she like wouldn't answer them and directed them to speak through the <laughs> through the assistant. That's fantastic. I I like, need I need the, I need I need an assistant like that. <laughs> yeah, like, I just all. want to go hang out at food trucks now and sip but on I'm my like, bone like, broth. Like Flo, you're not cool enough for that. You're not hot enough for that, and you're definitely not famous enough for that. Yeah, no. Like at best, That's Flo it. is Flo's a stunt. Like a she's an extra. Yeah. Oh, for sure. In, in any other kind of acting, like right, whatever. So but I, I mean, that, that's yeah. the thing, though. You have to understand. We get frustrated as agents when we see stuff where people aren't covered correctly or they're buying low limits and all of that. But at the end of the day, that's the that is their best shot of getting educated on what to expect in the insurance journey if they're not willing to sit down and listen to what an independent has to say. It's well, how much can I learn online or from a TV commercial or whatever else? And then I'm going to call and I'm going to talk to this person that's in a call center for all practical purposes. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to trust that they have my best interests in mind, just like I do. Guess what? Right. In most cases, they don't. They're just worried mm -hmm. about selling the policy, period. And right. before so I get pushback from people who work in those call centers, 
put a minimum on the limits you're willing to sell to people and we won't have the conversation anymore. But until I quit seeing 10, 20, 10 or 25, 50 walk in the front door looking for quotes, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to talk about. You don't have people. Somebody's got to be telling them that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, dudes, we had an inbound lead. Like we have an intercom on our website and people can chat with us. And sometimes people confuse us for like an insured tech you can buy insurance from. And some guy typed in, I would like cheap full coverage, please. And I'm like, if that's mm-hmm. an oxymoron, like, yeah, exactly. Cheap full coverage. I'm like, dude, like, you, this is like what people are crazy. Like, I feel for you. Like, it's just, if it's I tough, get that, I'm, yeah, my response back is, what's your definition of cheap? Like, let's just figure out what you're looking for right out of the box. Or full. Yeah, I mean, I had a guy I had a guy that I quoted, you know, I happened to be here late on a Friday afternoon one time or whatever, and it was an inbound lead, and I'm like, ah, I'll just jump in real quick and quote this thing. So I go to quote it. It was literally like $7 difference than what he was paying, but like double the coverage. He was at 50, 100, and I don't quote less than 100, 300, 100. Mm-hmm. I quoted it. For personal, obviously. Right. Yeah. I quoted this for this guy, and he's like, no, I think I'm just going to go ahead and stick around with what I've got. What? $7? $7 a month? Really? I mean, but that's the thing, man. I think that, that people. People are not financially literate, period, in most cases. Take insurance and throw it out the window. It has nothing to do. I mean, insurance certainly being in the financial services segment of the economy, it falls into that that mix. But it blows my mind how many people don't know how to use a debit card initially to go to the ATM and get cash out. I mean, there's coming a time is- where that's not even going to be a thing anymore with everybody who is doing uh, you know, Zelle and Venmo and all yeah. of the other stuff. It's like we it blows my mind. If I if I sent my middle son in with my debit card to Wawa and said you can have whatever you want, get whatever snacks you want and just put it on my debit card, I'm safe because he doesn't even know how to slide it and put the pin in. <laughs> and, and I mean that's crazy to think like to me, I would have yes. made fun of that kid when I was in high school. Like who is this idiot? Can't even use yeah. a debit card. Well, so How about that's filling up that's, their car with gas the first time. Most kids don't know how gas works. Like how it works at the gas yeah. station. That's nuts. And it, it's, I mean, it's changed a ton even since I would had, you know, have started driving, but that was kind of my point, like in high school and growing up, unless you, unless you go to college for finance or so, like you don't learn those things in high school. You don't learn no, anything about in taxes. College you don't. No. I mean, like what college, I learned in college learned, was learned- how to like manage my time and how to relate with different people. Like that's what I learned in college. I couldn't tell well, you anything from business calc. No, the financial stuff you learn is all 100% business related, right? Right. Like if you were to go, and, and let me be very clear, this is not a knock on anybody growing up in this generation. It's not your fault that we have a horrible education system to teach people personal finance. You're just mm-hmm. going to be a product of that system. But I mean- it's crazy, man. Like the average person right now graduating from high school, probably even the majority mm-hmm. graduating from college, don't even understand like what a check register is. I was right? just going to say they've never seen a checkbook. They've never, never learned how to do it. that. No. Yeah. I think that's actually that is that's what I said right before we, right before we got zapped out of here is like <laughs> no kids going through high school have any idea how to balance a checkbook or have even seen one. Yeah, no, I, I agree a hundred percent, man. I think I think that's a big issue. So, anyhow, all that to say, yeah. Dylan's at Dylan's at Wonder Right right now. 
just absolutely mm-hmm. killing it. You know, I get nothing but positive feedback from everybody I know that uses Wonderite talking about what a great product it is, how much time it saves them, how much they actually listen to their constituency about their product, how they adapt and make it better. That's got to be refreshing, man. You know, working Dude. for a company that you know has their clients' best interest in mind and they're willing to listen and take the necessary steps. Yeah, I think it gets overlooked sometimes. Like how much people, a lot of people say they take feedback and like want to hear feedback and listen to feedback. Dude, like after every call I have with somebody, like there's an email going off, product feedback. It's getting on a board, it's getting aggregated. We're building in that direction. Like people don't like you hear it, but it's true. Like I watch it. We see the metrics. Like this person's looking for this, this current client's looking for this. Like we are hyper focused on building the best tools for the retail independent agent. We're bullish on the agent. Peter was an agent for families on the brokerage now for over 50 years. Joe bought insurance for a construction company. They're some of the best and smartest dudes I've ever worked for. Learned so much every single day. There's a testament to the team that we have here. Um, And and the people that are signing on today, people that are are using it today are are great clients. So what's your favorite part about Wonderite and the move that you've made? Man, the favorite part about it is talking to all these different people all across the nation. I mean, I've probably had over a thousand conversations, good conversations with independent agency owners all across the U.S. I mean, you get an eclectic mix of people uh, from you know New York or Florida or Texas or Washington State, Colorado, California. They're all different. Uh, like in some ways, everybody's experiencing a lot of the same problems today. But every it's the wild wild west. I think I'm stealing that one from Nick Ayers. Like the process and what we're solving for is, it's there's no defined workflow for it today. There's no it, it's being done all sorts of different which ways and places. And understandably, because your insureds are also different. Uh, I I know every insured is completely different. But um, I mean the most common things we're hearing today, like what are people trying to solve for that we solve for is um, the I think the bigger problem is the is the hiring of good people and like finding the talent to bring into your agency. So the biggest thing people reach out to us for is like, how do I use tech to automate what I'm doing in the agency? I like what Ryan Hanley says a lot about like the human optimized agency. Like, I think it makes a lot of sense. Like these scratch agencies are going to have a leg up, I think really soon. Cause we've seen both sides. I see the legacy guys. I see the big guys. I see the scratch guys. The, the scratch guys are building off VAs and tech and automation and they're doing it much differently than the army, the huge team. And it's it's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out. Um, but, you know, the average account manager salary across the U.S. is 55000 a year. You know, if you, you could buy five different software tools for 10000 a year um, that, that could maybe automate that person's job. We're not trying to take jobs, but it's hard to find good talent. You got to manage the talent. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that come alongside that. You got to retain it. You got to pay them more every year. You got to raise it. Whatever it may be. I mean, what's your take on that? No, I agree. Hanley and I have had multiple conversations on that. I tell people all the time, the problem with insurance agency principles right now is that they don't view te- they view technology as an expense, almost like a boat anchor to the P&L. Instead of looking at it as an investment and even taking it further, you should look at your tech stack as a team member because it technically is, right? I mean, we talk mm-hmm. pretty openly about what we've done to do our custom build out with HubSpot here and how much money it's cost and people always cringe. I talked about it when I was at Big Eye New York last week and people, I could just see the air getting sucked out of the room when I talked about how much I spent. Now, number one, I've spent it over three years. And number two, 
it does a lot of work that you know probably would have cost me four or five bodies if you figure out like how much it's actually keeping track of and following up on and doing in the background. So I'm actually cash flow positive on the investment if you were to compare the labor it would require to do that versus what I've spent on the system. What does that do? Does it replace people that have a vital function in the agency? No, it replaces unskilled low level labor. And you know, there's a place for that stuff, but in the insurance world this at this point People are either automating it or they're outsourcing it. They're taking t- taking it to VAs or they're doing it with automation as much as they possibly can. And I don't think that's a bad move. Now, it does take jobs away from people who really are unskilled, unlicensed, and they're just basically doing clerical tasks. That's fine. You know, we have to operate as profitably as we can. And if you don't have room for that in your operation, you don't have room for that in your operation, Right. But I do think that when you take the stuff that you can automate and you can outsource, the quality of conversation and interaction that your team has with your stakeholders every day is drastically improved because they're not dealing with worrying about, oh, crud, did I get that ticket closed out? Did I do this? Did I do that? No. I mean, it's all laid out in a dashboard and you know where you're at at all times. Agreed. I posted a fun stat the other day. You guys will like this. And it's it's a survey, you know, large companies all across the world, right? But in 2015, the average number of SaaS apps, like software apps used by an organization was eight in 2015. 2021 survey results showed 110 software applications wow. used. I was not going that high. I was going to say like 30 something. 100 I mean, and how much? 110 versus eight. So... I mean, wow. there is automation for everything that you do. Um, I heard some really cool automations agencies are building all the time. We, I think Peter's talked about this one, you know, that writing handwritten thank you cards for every new customer that signs on. Uh, you know, there's just, there's little things that you can do. There's that take so much time. Yeah, you still need to have that personal touch and, and that aspect of human interaction for sure. I mean, like you said, like the, the technology is not meant to replace you know, that aspect of things, it's, it's there to help and, and to make things easier and, and add some of the automation. Yeah. I mean, I think even as a software company, like people forget, like, man, we, we run a tech stack too. People sometimes look at you like, you know, Hey, you're the guy that wants to sell me another software tool. Like, dude, we're buying software tools all the time. We're constantly evaluating stuff. We probably run over 50 different software apps, let's say like at our company. And you, you talk to our VP of engineering and He's all about this synergy of everything working together and you get him excited about talking about it. It's like, dude, like you, you feel like you want to like ram through a brick wall after talking to Rick. Like, you know, he <laughs> runs an engineering. He's all about synergy of all these things working together and those slow one to 2% gains you just keep getting and achieving in every single interaction you're getting. And it's like, dude, that shit adds up, man, like quickly. Mm-hmm. It does. I mean, I think that's part of it too, though. Agents get shiny object syndrome so much. I mean, there's those things in your tech stack that are going to make a dramatic improvement immediately, right? Right out of the box. You're going to be able to put this in the process. It's going to save you time, save you money, make you more efficient, all of that, make you more accurate, whatever. Then there's the other stuff that you have to augment when with after the fact, right? Where, it, it, like you said, one to 2% gains, but you're constantly improving, constantly tweaking it, making it look better making it work better rather. So many times agents go out as scratch agents trying to start a new new agency and they see all this stuff and they hear how awesome it is and what it can do and everything else. And they they too many times, in my opinion, 
they try and get too sophisticated with their tech stack too quick, right? Like you don't need to be looking at the things that are going to help you make one to 2% gains right now. It's not the right time for you to do that. That's like worrying about a a little strawberry that you have on your forearm, you know, when you have a gash in your, you know, femoral artery and not trying to take (laughs) care of it. It's it's stupid, right? right? Know your business people, know where your problems are. And focus there first and then move on to it. I do think it's really interesting, though, what what you guys in particular are doing, because, you know, I look at things that will make a difference in our agency specifically um, over the course of the next 12 to 18 months. And Wonderwrite is one of those. And it's because one of the reasons we let me let me take a step back. Wonderwrite is one of those because we are going to be much more involved with excess and surplus lines than we have been uh, at a much higher level um, because of a couple other decisions we made. And I'll talk about those in a second. But the other one is, um, you know, Philadelphia, man, we're working with uh-huh. Philly now. And, you know, any, that's all you have to say to anybody who's ever filled out a Philly supplemental. <laughs> so the, if we're going to be driving critical mass through Philly, through the verticals, we're in the process of building out with them. I've got to have the tool, man. There's just no mm-hmm. way I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be able to deal with all of the constant paperwork of supplemental applications. So those are two really big reasons. I've talked about it before. I'm gonna talk about it again. Not a big fan of excess and surplus lines. Not a big fan of agency bill in the agency. That's always been something that drives me nuts um, because it's something that has to be kept track of, and I don't like having the. It's just too much ins and outs. I got burnt early, but. You know, when we brought in IPFS last September, that game has changed dramatically. Dramatically, because we're at a point now with total pay where we don't have to worry about agency bill anymore. And so that makes me much more likely to go after excess and surplus lines. For those of you listening to this and thinking I'm being a, a, a wuss about it, let me explain the difference of what we're dealing with here. We're not dealing with... $3,000 ENS accounts. I'm talking about stuff that's a couple hundred thousand dollars that quite frankly, I'm not comfortable having sit in my bank account, you know, with everything that's going on right now with cybersecurity. There's just too much that can happen. Look, we ran one. We ran one at the beginning of April, late part of March. We ran a finance agreement through IPFS for a million bucks. Mm -hmm. Okay. A million dollars. That's huge. Not saying that to brag. How many of you would have your nuts shrivel up if you had a million dollars sitting in your bank account, right? What's the FDIC even insure it to? Mm-hmm. 500000 What know. happens above that? I, I really don't know the answer to that question. I don't know. But, I was never taught that in high school. Right, Ball because down. you don't have a personal finance education <laughs> as a result of being a product of the system. Mm-hmm. No, but, I mean, that's the whole thing, man. So you have this money sitting there, and I'm, now I'm responsible for making a payment to the wholesaler – and then you got to figure out how much of your commission you're going to keep back. Like you're going to put some of it into operating, but some of it you don't want to, you want to hold on to it until it actually earns out so you didn't get stuck upside down with it. IPFS total pay was a breeze, man. Down payment made via ACH. Yeah. They finance the rest. IPFS pays the wholesaler. They send me back my commission three days later. All I'm accounting for is commission at this point. And I'm happy mm. as a lark at that point. But to me, that was the first thing, right? Figure out how we can make that process seamless so that we can go out and write more of it. Now mm-hmm. it's now that we're having those opportunities and we're not as concerned about writing it. Now we need we have to have one to write in the agency to make that work. Yeah, agreed. I, I think if you're if you're in an excess market, 
we were at a trade show recently. Somebody somebody threw our name out there. Like they were talking about like how to sell more ENS or how to automate your ENS. And like a, a potential client was in this in the crowd, and they were like, "Y'all should check out Wonderray, dude." We had a flood of people run to the booth. We were in Orlando, and, and I think any agent that's along the coast, any agent in Florida, any agent in Texas, New York's one of those funky states with all these supplementals, and, and California is, is its own beast. You know, not discriminating against anybody where else across the nation, but those are the areas where we're finding the most success where you want to buy a tool that's going to work for you, like implement us in those areas and, and you're going to find the value. Can you give everybody, I know obviously we had Peter on here before, but just like a, a high level overview of, of what it is that you're actually doing on a, on a day-to-day basis for agencies? Yeah, hundred percent. Appreciate the opportunity. Um, I mean, I think we're digitizing one of the last frontiers that's left in the insurance industry. Like, I, I like to throw out an old uh, paper, handwritten application from the World War II era when I'm about to talk to somebody, just to put them in the right perspective of like, hey, what are we doing here? It'd be shocking if I walk into most agencies across the U.S. I'm going to find a handwritten app somewhere, and that's okay. You know, it's it's going to be a long road. It's hard. Change management is the hardest part <laughs> about any of these processes. Is actually getting people to change and, and adopt and do. You know, you can. You know, we could go on a different topic there, but um, at a high level, what we do is, um, I like to think of us as a combination of Dropbox, DocuSign, and then a proprietary applications tool for supplementals and, and custom forms, all combined into one. You're going to transact new business and renewal apps, signatures, and, and transfer files securely in one place with your insureds from any device. We're going to automate some of the filling of the applications. We're going to make it dynamic for next year's renewal. And, and we're going to make that uh, normally painful supplemental process and, and data collection process much easier on all parties. Um, you talk about client experience. That I think that what we got to remember is like there's a large group of boomers about to retire. And like they own the businesses today. And they bought from the same agent for a long time today. And, and their kids are starting to make these buying decisions. We're going into the second, third, fourth generation of owner and a lot of these businesses. They, how they buy is completely different. And they may never want to meet you in person. I think insurance is an in-person sale for the most part. Um, or, or there's got to be some comfort there. You're the trusted advisor. Um, but this, this generation is much different. It, right now, the fact is that 73% of millennials are involved in B2B purchasing decisions. That's industry-wide or, or like, let's say, nationwide. Um, but there's a funnier fact. It's like 72% of their decision uh, or 72% of people say that social media affects their decision. This kind of goes into a different topic around like, how do you look on the internet? How do you look on YouTube? How are you on different social media channels? Like what's your presence look like there? But but that's how those people buy. Um, so we're, we're just that tool that's digitizing this old process that that is, is time for a makeover um, and, and long overdue. Yeah. And I mean... You guys have some pretty well-known names that are established that you compete against pretty directly in that space, and pricing is much different, right? Like, there's a big difference between where you're at and where the legacy players are, and from what I hear, I don't see that there's a gap in functionality in what you're doing and what some of the others are. I mean, if anything, you're just getting warmed up. That's right. I mean, we're, we're, we're still early on what, what this thing's going to be. I mean, I think if you get it, if you're getting in now, like you're going to, you're going to get a really good deal. And I think we're cost effective the way I like to say it. And I'm not being salesy here is um, we're cost effective for sure any size. Agency. Yeah. Right. We're cost effective <laughs> for any size agency to buy. And I mean that like 
you talk about competitors, it's like, dude, some of the prices are, it's just inefficient. It wouldn't make sense for an agency to buy it of any size. Like a scratch agency could purchase this tool today and get value out of it. If they're writing ENS only professional liability anywhere in the surrounding Southeast, you know, you need a tool like this at that point. Um, so. You well, you absolutely do. And, and by the way, for what you charge, they certainly couldn't hire some a, a body to be in their agency helping their clients, prospects, or whoever fill that paperwork out in the same manner, right? It's just, mm-hmm. it, it's not feasible. Yeah. yeah, there's an interesting part that people overlook about the system. It's, um, I think it's the digital fingerprint tracking. Like every question that gets answered by your clients on a granular level is tracked. You know, for example, like, do you allow family members to drive after hours in company vehicles? Well, that's like a huge risk area. Like that, there could be a large resulting claim, like if it's misrepresented on the app. And a lot of times I think, you know, to get things done, like agencies and agents are filling these out themselves. It's not to get things done, Dylan. It's because they're lazy. That's exactly why it is. I, you know, if you don't want to say it, I have no problem saying it. It's just like the questions, the yes, no questions on the accord forms. How many agents actually read those questions, discuss them with their client, and ask them and then answer them appropriately, right? Very, very few. I'm not going to say none. Very, very few do, right? Think about the workers' comp accord. How many, you know, how many employees do you have uh, that are younger than 16 or older than 60? Mm-hmm. None. We don't have any of that. Well, right. okay, great. And then all of a sudden, you've got a 72-year-old guy that's had three knee surgeries because he tripped and fell over his own feet in the parking lot. Well, wait a minute. Where'd this clown come from? Like, where where did he come mm-hmm. from that, you know, you, you, did, you didn't have anybody that was over 60, and now we've got a 72-year-old that's been injured on the job. Oh, by the way, his personnel file says that he's been here for 11 and a half years. <sighs> I mean, the old personnels. That, Personnel's is the best. That's the whole thing, though. <laughs> I saw Personnel's this morning when I was in the shared drive moving Every around, and I had to laugh. Kills me. We had it. We had a. Uh, we had a team member that created the sub the folders in our shared files, and and she created one called Personnel's plural. We, I never changed it. I refused to change it. You better it's just not. Great. It's it's a great laugh anytime I go in there. But I mean that that's the thing, man. Like agents do not. To me, this is a huge protection from an ENO claim too, right? Because you're getting that digital fingerprint with way with every question being answered. So if for some reason somehow a carrier misinterprets something or they didn't realize, you can say, nope, right here it is. I mean that's one reason why I like video quoting so much, right? Because when I do a quote vid, I can go back and re- reference the exact timestamp that I mentioned something to somebody. <laughs> no, 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 friend. If you carefully look at minute four, yeah. <laughs> 33 <laughs> seconds in. Yeah, well, exactly. Let's, let's talk about the Philly thing. You, you know a little bit better than I do. I've kind of heard what they're doing, but I think my understanding of what they're doing, and I could be wrong, is that they're, they want the client to materially represent and fill out the app themselves. And that's on purpose. Like they're now having the client go into a portal, right? And they fill out these large, you know, longer Philly apps. Is that correct? I so, haven't seen that. We just go to their website and get the app. It's just okay. like a 10-page app, I'm pretty sure. At least the one that I had was. And it, I mean, it's it's just a lot, you know, to have to fill out every time you have a submission. Yeah. I'd heard they were like having the clients do it. We'll have to fact check me there. Um, that some of these are being sent. Yeah, there's a like, lot. Of, there's a lot. Well, what I can tell you is there's several things I'm going to throw on here as a disclaimer. 
number one, we haven't done a bunch of business with them. We're, we're relatively new working with them. We were getting ready to get ramped up going into COVID, specific to a couple of classes of business, one being childcare facilities, the other being martial arts studios. And then COVID hit, and it's like, well, guess what closed down? Childcare facilities and martial arts studios. So that whole vertical market process uh, got delayed a little bit. So we're just now ramping up again. The other thing is they are making some sweeping changes across the board. Like it's interesting to see what they're doing because they have now gotten to the point where there is a um, middle person. You don't send things directly to the marketing person anymore. It goes to the it goes to a, a submission inbox now dedicated to that. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Uh, it's, it's absolutely overlooked. Those questions are important. And like you talk to agents long enough and you, you find out ones that have had issues with this in the past. Like, you know, you, you know better than I do, David and, and Kyle, like, the, you know, the E&O claims that surface or come up or that occur. So I think anything you can do there is beneficial. Agreed. So what's on the horizon, man? What, um, what have we not talked about today that you wanted to get out there? No, I think we're... Excited to go to Key West with you guys. I'm, I'm fired up. Yeah. Tickets are booked. Um, I, I want to hear more. more I about hope that. so. It's two weeks away. <laughs> <laughs> I need my Viper sunglasses and my my mo uh, my full on mohawk. But uh, yeah, that, uh, you know, want to hear more about that. We're just going to continue to build in the direction that we hear feedback from our customers on and, and from our prospective customers. And, and we're going to continue to build the best tools in the industry in that direction. You know, there's there's a roadmap, but there's nothing. You know, the roadmaps are changeable, and, and we want to build the best tools. You talk to Peter long enough, you go back and listen to his podcast. I mean, you got a really passionate guy at the top about this industry and, and what he can do. Um, and, and that goes for the whole team, goes for Joe as co-founder as well. So, dude, tell us about Key West real quick. Well, I, I'm excited to reel some reef donkeys off the bottom. When I when I watched that video, hmm. I, I couldn't stop thinking about that analogy, but um. Yeah, what what can we expect? How did you build it? I guess from this event, from you know zero, let's say it started with zero now to hundreds of people going to be attending down there. Yeah, no. So we're going to have around a hundred. Um, I would I, based on what it looks like, but that's always subject to change because some of these buffoons will tell me they're coming, and then you know because it really doesn't cost anything to show up, they don't. My advice to them would be to realize just because it doesn't cost anything to you doesn't mean it doesn't cost anything to anybody else. So, you know, Fair. but all, ki- all, all kidding aside, um, you know, honestly, we were going down to Key West. Annie and I go down every about once a quarter. We were going down last summer and I opened up my big mouth on Facebook and basically said, anybody who wants to come down, you know, we've got a fishing boat chartered and I'll take you as my guest. All you got to do is get there. We'll hang whatever. And I was like, you know, honestly, we could talk shop for a couple hours and make it a write-off and go from there. <laughs> and next thing I know, I had five charter boats that I was paying for out of my pocket and, um, you know, a couple dozen agency principals and their spouses. And I'm, you know, I keep my word, man. So I picked up the tab for all of that stuff and said, that won't happen again. You know, shame on me. I should have known better than just throwing it out there to everybody. But, you know, we had a great time and I thought it went okay. I didn't realize how good of a time everybody had, though, until we got back and they just started saying best trip ever, greatest, greatest atmosphere, just sitting down, decompressing, shooting the breeze, troubleshooting about our agency, sales strategies, all this stuff. I mean, it's really, really low key, right? Very low key. But uh, 
I thought, okay, they're just saying that to be nice. And then when I put out that we were going to do it this year and that it was going to be just a little bit different, we were going to bring some some uh, friends in that are sponsors so they could participate as well. Within 24 hours, the 100% of the people who came last year signed up to come again. Like they were, they were already in, and then then it just kept going from there and there and there. My concern is Key West won't be able to contain it next year because we're we're at a point now where if we if we actually market this like market it market it, let's just say I throw it out to people outside of the killing commercial community for starters. We market this thing to everybody. We could have 500 people there, 1000 people at the blink of an eye. Oh, you know, I mean, it's just yeah. it's, it's it's nuts. And so that's where I'm at right now is I'm trying to think, do I want to put together a full-blown there look, there are a lot of insurance conferences out there. There's one for everything. You know, and they're good. Don't I mean, Brainshare Cass's Brainshare is good. Um Innovation is good for the Independent Agency Owners Alliance. Uh, the I keep he keeps changing the name on me. Agency Success Conference that Better Agencies putting on. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're all really good. And if I missed one, I'm sorry. You know, there's only so many things I can keep in my head. But there's not one that I'm aware of that's dedicated specifically to middle market production and sales. Period. There's just not one that's out there. And so that would be that would be the one caveat that would lead me to make this a full blown deal. Would be there isn't somebody meeting that need. We could create this mega conference. I could bring in a, a lot of big name people to do the the keynoting and whatever else, and I could fill in the cracks where needed, and just bring a bunch of people in and get down and dirty on sales strategy, the tricks that are working, like really giving people the tools they need to be equipped with to have success on the streets. Problem is that has to take the event out of Key West because there's yeah. just there's no there's no place there. To have um, <laughs> Key West, not very big. <laughs> yeah, it's not. I mean, in they, they, we, there is the Casa Marina, the Waldorf Astoria property down there, but it's a little dated. Um, and it's mm. off the beaten path. It's not where I want to hang, man. If I'm going to have my event in Key West, I'm going to do it my way, period. End of story. And so that's the one thing that would lead me to not have the bigger conference and just keep it where it is, is... You know, we forgot if we this if this footprint works, maybe I just do it twice a year and have it and rotate different people or something. But mm-hmm. um, we just get really good feedback from everybody because of how how tight the event is in terms of number of people and and all of that. So, you know, what you're going to find is real talk when you guys are there. Like you're you're going to get the unfiltered talk from agents, agency principals on exactly what they're doing, what's working, what's not working. And, you know, I think that there's, I think there's a lot of value in that. You're not dealing with fluff. I mean, Cass asked me about, well, is it going to be like Brainshare? No, it's not. Brainshare is its own thing and this is its own thing. I think that it probably is more like Brainshare than any of the other conferences just because of how Jason has put that together. But I'm not Jason, and Jason's not me, so I've got my own style. He has his, and you know we'll take it and roll with it and see what happens. We're we're about done, man. We're about done with all the planning. The boxes are going out today. We're I mean we are we are full blown Key West mode at this point. I couldn't be more pumped. Uh, I I love what you're doing. It, it excites me. I I think that people run and gun too hard, and they don't slow down fast enough. We talk about a lot in our own sales processes, like slowing down and like getting back to the basics. Like there's a lot of basics in a sales cycle that you got to remember that like 
Hey, how about having one? How about having an actual sales process? There's a basic that a lot of agencies don't have. You know, I was in, I was, I was somewhere. We talked about this yesterday on the podcast. I was in one of the places I spoke at over the course of the last few weeks, and I asked people to raise their hand about how many, how many of you have a, a a formal sales process in your agency. Raise your hand. And people think when you're on stage, you're never going to call them out. So I called on somebody and said, what are the stages of your sales process? Uh, duh, 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 duh. Couldn't answer it, right? They were just raising their hand because everybody else was. The fact is most agencies don't even have it. So how are you going to manage it if you haven't even established what your process is? Yeah, it blows my mind, man. How do you hold people accountable? How do you hold people accountable to production results for a non-existent process? Right. You can't. I, I just I don't know. I don't I don't know the answer to that. Well, that creates <laughs> this friction in the in the expectations. So you know, owners looking at producer and like, why why didn't you do this? Well, you know, producer might not be singing, but they might have a problem, or they don't have a process, or they're you know, this the expectations are important. Like setting the goals are so important. Like knowing what you need to hit or need to do is so important, and, and it creates clarity around what you're doing. Yep, ambiguousness is not hundred <laughs> percent. So. Well, listen, man, where do they find you? Like people need, they need to see what Wonderwrite does. Look, if you've been at any conference in the recent past, these guys are, they're in the, in the um, vendor hall everywhere, everywhere you go. I I ran into, I, I was with Danny up in New York. I was with you and Peter in Orlando. I mean, every time I turn around, you guys are somewhere. Yeah. Um, How do they get a hold of you to do that demo, man? We need look, people, you need to bury Dylan Reed with demos. <laughs> Make him just just crush him. <laughs> I'm getting off here to do a demo right after this and, and had one right before this. I mean it is it is nonstop. They can find us at trade shows. We're doing the FAI show, you know, prior to the Key West event. We're doing the LA L A A I A show as well. You know, we'll be at trade shows, Dylan at Wonderite.com, D-I-L-L-O-N. Uh, request a demo on our site. It's uh, it routes to the proper rep and the proper state. Uh, help there lead the team. So anything comes up, you can hit me directly. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm chatting with a lot of people on LinkedIn. Very active on LinkedIn, and it's all about understanding what you're doing today and and seeing if this is a good fit. You're going to get engagement. You got the team that's willing to change and adopt. That's important. Um, and, and trust me, your clients are willing to change and they are adopt. They're carrying these iPhones around in their pockets or purses every single day. So it's it's not about the insurance. It is about the internal change management. So, good deal, people. Cool. Peter McDonald, Dylan Reed, Danny Lawrence, Greg McCammon. The list goes on and on. These are all good people that I know personally. I've broken bread with them. You got to talk to them and let them give you a demo. Let them change the way you do business in your agency with Wonderwrite. That's a wrap. Now I'm ready to go to Key West. See ya. You've been listening to the Power Producers Podcast. You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to take your game to the next level, next level, check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes, and our website, killingcommercial.com. <laughs>